This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, front and center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Blue wire. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott dodges the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 104 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside Joshua Perry. Of course, this podcast brought to you by Bet Online. And my goodness, we are getting into the holidays almost. It's crazy to think about. We've got Thanksgiving coming up and then Christmas and New Year. And we're all just hoping that 2021 will bring us new, greater things. But I, I am going to hold my breath on that one. Yeah, just wear a mask and I think we'll have better things in 2021. Yeah, it's it's certainly not that hard, people. Well, <laughs> we will get into our AP poll this week. Not much has changed on this one. Uh, Alabama is still leading the way with uh, that number one spot. They have 61st place votes, followed by Notre Dame with one. Ohio State has one. Clemson and Texas A&M rounding out the top five. Uh, Florida coming in at six. Cincinnati sitting in that seven spot still. Uh, BYU a team that I think uh, people are starting to wonder about now more and more uh, at that eight spot. Indiana moving up Joshua Perry to number nine this week. The voters giving them a little vote of confidence. And then Wisconsin after their performance um, rounding out the top 10. I would probably guess that you're you're pretty satisfied with this despite Ohio State uh, not having that two spot. Yeah, I mean, here's what I'm coming to grips with. And, and I, I tend to agree with it at this point. Ohio State's only played three games. Sure. You know, a lot of teams have played a lot of games. And so I, I think any skepticism that exists, especially considering um, who their games have been against Nebraska with one win Rutgers with one win and Penn state with no wins. Like, yeah, it, it's small sample size against some really bad teams. So I, I 100% get it. I, I mean, this top 10 seems fine to me. They're giving Windiana some respect. Yeah. So I can appreciate that. Uh, Wisconsin only, has, uh, you know, they've only played a couple of games, but they've yep. looked dominant in both of them. And again, like inferior competition in both games, because Illinois is hot garbage and in Michigan, as we've seen, is just really down this year. I agree with your sentiment on BYU, and a lot of it goes to the quarterback play there. Yeah. Um, and he's a really intriguing player who's getting some, you know, Heisman talk and, and national respect. So, you know, I, I definitely see that. And then 
you know, I think the the more interesting part comes with the Florida Texas A and M conversation. It sure. all works itself out at the end of the year, but you can make a legit case for either one of those teams to be ranked over the other one, and and probably you could make a decent case for either one of those teams being a potential playoff team too. Well, I had read an article just recently on ESPN. I think it's actually leading their website right now with the question of does a team like BYU or Cincinnati get in this year? Is it a time for a non-power team to get into the college football playoff? And really the way things are starting to shake out, I'm thinking more and more that it it really could be the case when it's all said and done. Yeah. And I mean, I look at Cincinnati's resume right now. It's very similar to BYU, although I think Cincinnati's conference is stronger uh, than yeah. what BYU tends to play. They, I mean, it, the games haven't been close. <laughs> like they, they really haven't. They've looked very good. Um, they, I mean, they've talked about, oh, this is a trap game for Cincinnati. You know, I would, I would, I would take the other team against the spread, whatever the case is. And I mean, I, they're probably right now, they're probably undefeated against the spread. Like they're that good. The games haven't yeah. been very close. And I think especially with the American um, and in the way that they've been able to make it to New Year's six bowl games and win them. Mm-hmm. That's why that conversation's heating up so much, because I think there is a consensus and um, Florida's definitely starting to rise a little bit more for me, especially with their quarterback play uh, with Kyle Trask of being a potential playoff team. Clemson, for some people is waning a little bit. And I think it's because we haven't seen them with Trevor Lawrence in, in, you know, three weeks or whatever the case is, but you know, Cincinnati becomes really intriguing in that conversation because you, you believe that it's Alabama, Ohio state, Notre Dame right now, maybe Clemson, Notre Dame conversation, whatever. And then whoever makes it into that last spot, you know, can, can you definitively say that Texas A&M, would give whoever the number one seed is a better game than Cincinnati might. And I don't know if a lot yeah. of people can answer that question with a lot of confidence. One thing I found interesting that you just mentioned was three teams that are pretty much in this mix right now because of what? The quarterback position, the person that is playing quarterback. And it just goes to show with teams like BYU, with teams like Florida, Obviously, Clemson is Clemson and has much more than that, but we saw what Clemson was without Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the quarterback position is always an important position, but I feel like this year, more than most, we've talked about these quarterbacks and how they're really the ones that are carrying the team. Yeah, the conversation that I've heard this year more than any other year is that you build your team with the offense and then you need a defense who can get some stops, but you're not winning Mm -hmm. games on defense. Like having an elite defense that's going to grind it out and win you games is no longer the way the game is played. And I think the, the best example of that is Georgia where I feel like their quarterback play is definitely down because of that. I don't think they have the wide receiver talent as some of these other teams, but they might have the best defense out of any of the teams that we're having conversations about like that, that might be the truth they're they're not going to win a national championship playing football like that in 2020. And so you go through these teams right now, and Alabama, you've got Mac Jones, who's in that Heisman conversation. Obviously, Justin Fields, Trevor yep. Lawrence, you know, Kyle Trask. You go down the list. BYU's up there because of quarterback play. People talk about Michael Penix Jr. Wisconsin in the top 10. They've got Graham Mertz, who's been balling out. Like, you know, 
Notre Dame is interesting because people are hot and cold on Ian Book. And then I think Kellen Mond having um, the consistency of play that he's had and in, in really stepping into the role that we thought he could have yep. is what boosted Texas A&M. So, yeah, I mean, it really is about the quarterbacks right now because <laughs> if your quarterback ain't balling, then you're, right? you know, you're probably not in the conversation. Exactly. I'm setting a trend there. Well, there was some interesting things happening in the Big Ten. It continues to be the conference that's surprising us. This season, and I know a lot of these teams haven't played many games, but the games that they have played, it's been like, what? Huh? What is going on? Are we flipping the script here? But we'll start it off with two teams that, you know, usually, Joshua, while we've been disappointed with Michigan underachieving, it usually, you know, does things to stay in the top 25 to, you know, to keep Jim Harbaugh's job safe. And then Penn State, I mean, James Franklin came from Vanderbilt, where he actually did a pretty good job down here in the short time he was at Vanderbilt and went to Penn State and and really has been a a good head coach there, has put together a pretty consistent winning program. Joshua, Penn State is 0-4 after this past weekend. Michigan is 1-3, and Michigan got sliced and diced. So my question to you is what in the world is happening with these two programs that are usually towards the top of the Big Ten? Yeah, and like for that, you know, the context of them being at the top, Penn State was a team a few years ago that was in the conversation for the number four spot in the college football playoff. They had Mm -hmm. won a Big Ten championship. We saw them just a year ago in a New Year's Six bowl game again against an, an American, you know, conference team, but they won a New Year's Six bowl game. That was just a year ago, and now here they are. 0-4. 0-4. And then for Michigan, they're consistent 9-10-11 wins a year. They played Alabama in a bowl game last year. Like, mm-hmm. you know, these are two teams that are right there on the cusp of being in that perennial top 10, top 15 conversation. Definitely uh, recently top 25 teams for sure. Like it's a lock. Um, Penn State, they're, here are the issues is they lost Micah Parsons on defense, and I think he was really the heart and soul in the engine of that unit, and they just haven't looked the same. Their guys are not playing inspired football. Um, They they don't tackle well. They don't fight to get off blocks. It's just, you know, mushy out there. Mm -hmm. Offensively, they're depleted, depleted at running back. It's bad. Like, I hate to to Which is crazy. Yes. Because it's always the running back school. You know, you you get so many good backs from there. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's been – injuries and you know you got to rely on depth that I don't think is is really there right now and and I hate to talk about players like this but they had one running back in the game on Saturday against Nebraska who scored a touchdown dude was running flat-footed like he looked like he had bad feet Um, but that's where they are right now and then the quarterback play like we all thought Sean Clifford was going to be a way better quarterback than what he ended up being this year he turned the ball over way too much and it's not all his fault because the offensive line is not good there right now um, they put Will Levis in the game and it gave them a boost. And they looked a lot better, but it's just that is an aberration to me. What's going on at Penn State is not a reflection of James Franklin in the direction of that program. I think it is, a, you know, just a down year, a one time thing, a weird COVID situation, whatever you want to call it, injuries, everything compounding. They'll be back. Michigan is more of a systemic problem right now. And I say that because you have a an old defensive coordinator, and these old coaches are stubborn. And so he's running his defense the way he's always run it with 
the personnel that cannot fit the defense. You can't go in to the Northeast of Massachusetts and Vermont and start recruiting guys and think they're going to line up, play press man to man, and you're going to be able to blitz and put those guys on island and be successful. They, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, but it's not to say that their players aren't good enough to fit into a different system that would maybe hide some of those deficiencies and allow what they do well to show. And they just don't do that. So that's bad. They've been hit with the injury bug on their offensive line and defensive lines. So that spills over to every other position because when you can't pass rush, you're asking your guys to cover. That's a bad situation. The whole deal. Um, same thing on offense is, you know, when you, when you, you can't get push up front, you can't run the ball, which they've been bad run the ball lately. And then this is why it's an indictment though. It's the recruiting, which I talked about on defense, it's really hurt them, but the quarterback play yep. at Michigan has been that's, so subpar. Yep. That's, it's been bad. That's the big one, Joshua. It is. That's the big I mean, one because guess who's, who's recruiting? Guess who is supposed to be bringing in quarterbacks that are top, you know, in the country, yes. Jim Harbaugh. And, and he's supposed to be coaching them when they get exactly. on campus too. Exactly. And for you, haven't you seen the quarterbacks that they've brought in? It's just extremely underwhelming and they're not developing them. Jim Harbaugh's not developing those quarterbacks at all. I mean, you know, we we've watched it and I, I'm, you know, I could go through the list. I'm not going to go through the list, but you look at the last couple of guys that he's worked with. Shea Patterson was supposed to become a yep. Heisman hopeful mm-hmm. and he, he was not that guy. I mean, you could see his confidence was shot. His demeanor was mm-hmm. not what it was. Um, we watched him play at Ole Miss. Like it's he's a different guy under Jim Harbaugh. Um, and then you're you're watching Joe Milton, who is supposed to be, you know, built like Cardell Jones, got the rocket arm, say he looks like Cam Newton, all these different things. Like he's supposed to be. I mean, and you look at the physical gifts. The guy's got a hell of a fastball. It's one of the best mm-hmm. fastballs in college football. Um, you know, six, five, 250 pounds. Like you don't build a body like that. And then he gets out in the game and throws the first interception, which wasn't really his fault, but I also think he did force that one. Um, and then the second interception he threw, yeah. that was, that was the indictment on Jim Harbaugh. That was the play that makes you scratch your head and ask the question, should this guy be the coach? Because he threw it right to a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Like that guy could have been 10 feet tall. And I don't know if Joe Milton would have seen him. And that is an indictment, a direct indictment on the guy who's supposed to recruit top talent and develop quarterbacks. He worked with Andrew Luck. He worked with Colin Kaepernick. It's all we hear about. Well, we haven't seen that sure. pay dividends for the guys he's worked with at Michigan. And so it's it's a really interesting situation. But I think <clears throat> that situation directs points more directly to what Jim Harbaugh's tenure is and where okay. they're going than Penn State and James Franklin. I just think this is a one-off thing for them. I do too. I couldn't agree more with you about that. I, I, James Franklin, first of all, if James Franklin can come to Vanderbilt for the short amount of time that he was there and, and really make them contenders in some ways, then more so than they've ever been, that's, that goes to show the guy can coach because there is uh, little to work with, let's say here yeah, in Nashville on West End when it comes to Vanderbilt. But then well, just to Kayla, go. <laughs> I'm going I'm to jump in on this though. <laughs> This is what bothers me is I, you know, we've talked about James on this show and I don't know him personally, Yeah, but I I have a lot of respect for him. I think mm-hmm. he's done a very good job. Um, you know, like he's brought in great players. I think in the press conferences, um, he owns the mistakes of his yeah. team, which some coaches don't do a great job of taking that ownership. Penn State fans, they're like half in, half out on him. Like, I, I think there are a lot of Already? Penn State fans. 
that if he were fired, they would be happy. They, this is what they say. They say that the Ooh. only reason James Franklin has been successful is because of Saquon Barkley. No. They said 2016, the year where they played USC in the Rose Bowl, they beat Ohio State, they challenged for that number four seed in the college football playoff. They said that year was a one-off, and that was a, the year that we give James Franklin all the credit for because of the job that he did. But they said outside of that, he's an average coach, and if it wasn't for Saquon, he wouldn't be doing a great job. And I just sit back and I look. Nope. And like I said, it's 9, 10 wins a year, 11 wins a year. It's New Year's Six Bowl games. I don't know how you can get away with saying that. But for some reason, people in state college, they're like, I don't know about this guy. Yeah, Be careful what you wish for, people. Yes. Okay? It, especially in college football. It's just, just a real reminder to everyone that – Coaches, um, it's hard to find coaches that can go to a program, win some big games, year in, year out, contend in, you know, like you said, the the New Year's Bowls, the be in possible contention for the college football playoff, beat a team like Ohio State, which is not a, a, a team that anybody usually can beat in the Big Ten. Uh, go ask Michigan about that. Yeah. And, you know, these coaches are far and few between. And I'm not saying he's the best in college football by any means, right. but I'm saying you have a damn good coach there, Penn State. Well, and, and so and I'll, you got to be patient in. this year. We all knew that this year was going to bring yes. this kind of stuff. Yes. And it's it's not even like the you got to be patient thing for me. I think that there are so many fans who don't understand what the imbalance in college football is, like the the imbalance that exists where – Ohio State, Bama, Clemson every single year. They're, those are three playoff spots that are basically taken up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you yeah. could sub one of those teams out for for an Oklahoma. But there's basically every year there are going to be three playoff spots that are predetermined because there are some teams that have never missed on hiring a coach and they have never missed in recruiting. And so that's right. what it, and so Penn State fans are sitting they're thinking back to the days where you know, they were they were winning national championships and it really wasn't that long ago. It was a little bit. It was a long time ago, but it wasn't that long ago. And now they're like, well, James Franklin can't do it. And the question you really have to ask is, OK, well, who is going to do it and who's going to do it against Ryan mm -hmm. Day every single year? Exactly. Get that win against Ohio State every because that's what it's going to have to be if Penn State wants to be in the Big Ten championship game and wants to compete for the college football playoff. So. Yeah, be careful what you wish for 100% because mm -hmm. the guy that they have, I think, is doing a hell of a job. Yeah, I just say slow your roll. Um, you know, it, this is not the end all be all for y'all Penn State fans up there. Now, if you're Michigan, uh, I think you have another thing coming. I don't think that they will technically fire Harbaugh because he is a legacy there in terms of he played there. Um, you know, there's a lot that connects him to that university, but I do think there has got to be something that is done this season, uh, whether it be the end of the season. I mean, we'll get into it in a minute, but there is an SEC team that just fired its coach midseason or a little bit past midseason. So it, there are going to be teams that are going to do it. We thought that this in a COVID year, everybody would be safe. Uh, that's not necessarily the case. And I think that Harbaugh, there's just so much digression that I just don't know how much longer they can hold on to this guy. Uh, because we've already clearly pointed out all the things that aren't happening. So it's just going to be interesting to see how that yeah. all pans out. 
Well, and the last thing on the the Harbaugh uh, situation, he and Michigan Athletic Director Ward Ward Manuel played together in college. They were both teammates at the University mm-hmm. of Michigan, so that adds mm-hmm. another level of uh, difficulty into yep. whatever that separation is because they have history together and and they've played sure. together and they were teammates and everything. So you know, there's there's right. a little bit of history there, and it makes it more difficult. Before we get on to our next segment, I have to take this opportunity because we have a really interesting matchup coming up this Saturday. And let's just hope and pray that everything goes right. There's no surprise COVID outbreaks in the next few days. Uh, But Indiana and Ohio State are supposed to play. These are two teams that are undefeated. We all knew Ohio State would be at this point. None of us really had a, you know, solid feeling that Indiana would be at this point. We all know that there's been some good things happening there, but uh, here they are, and this is a battle of undefeated. So I wanted to just pick your brain really quick and ask you, what can we expect to see out of this really non-traditional matchup that everybody's kind of excited for? Well, let me jump out and say this. I did have Tom Allen as my uh, Big Ten Coach of the Year. That was one of my predictions for the Big Ten season. So Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily think it was going to be this level of uh success that they're having but i did think that indiana was going to be on the rise here yeah. here's the uh here's the breakdown for me ohio state's better team i think ohio state ends up winning the game mm-hmm. the game gets very interesting though because of certain <laughs> positional matchups that i think indiana can really uh challenge ohio state at their pain points they've got um, really good weapons that can catch the ball Wap Fillier is a great receiver. He's also got one of the best names in college football. His government name is Mr. Elias D'Angelo Fillier. Um, (laughs) Goes by the nickname Wap because he likes eating Whoppers. (laughs) So they got that guy. They got this kid, Ty Freifogel, who went for 200 yards last week. They've got a tight end named Peyton Hendershot, who's a really good player. And Ohio State secondary has has, uh, struggled at Mm -hmm. times to uh, defend against some good talent out of the Big Ten. And so... Indiana's got a way to challenge them there. And then Indiana does a really good job defensively and specifically um, their front seven does some unique things to apply pressure and to mix up looks in Ohio state's offensive line has struggled getting pushed in the run game. Um, they've also given up some sacks. And part of that is the interior of Ohio state's offensive line struggling. The other part of that is Justin Fields loves to hold on to the ball and let his receivers develop mm-hmm. those routes deep down the field, which has been really good because they've connected, but it, it puts them at risk to losing yeah. some yards due to sacks. So um, there'll be some, there'll be some like game within a game type matchups, but Ohio state's got this one. The talents there. I think they're just, they're, they're further ahead as a program. I like it. See, there's your preview just like that, you guys. So look forward to that game. Look forward to talking about it next week on press pass. Well, football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still get in on all the action on Bet Online. Bet Online, go in that extra mile to make sure you get in on every possible chance to win this season for game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online giving you more options to wager than anywhere else. Well, you can get in on their season opening bonuses today. Start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to Bet Online today. Take advantage of all those great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use that. Uh, promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That is BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sports book experts. So I had mentioned that there has been a coach fired. Yes, that is right. And the coach 
probably not surprising, was fired coming out of the SEC. Because if there is a conference that is is going to do something like that in the middle of a pandemic where things are not normal, you can bet it's probably going to be the SEC. And so we get word that Will Muschamp, South Carolina head coach, had taken down his bio on his Twitter. Mm. And because all y'all know that nowadays these head coaches, especially mm-hmm. major programs, they all have Twitter accounts. Okay. This is a major recruiting tool. We know the guys that do it the best guys like Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, those kind of guys, those kind of head coaches, because they're very involved. But yeah, Muschamp took down anything in his, in his like bio on Twitter that said South Carolina. So it was very interesting. We're all thinking, okay, something's got to be up. And then a few hours later, it was revealed that he had been fired at South Carolina. Now, this is a guy, Joshua. I don't know if you've really followed his career, but I first knew of Muschamp when I covered Auburn and Alabama at my really first full-time sports job in Montgomery, Alabama. And I covered more Auburn than um, Alabama. And Muschamp was the defensive coordinator at the time. And I really loved watching him coach the defense. And there's certain defensive coordinators that have stuck out in my career because they're so energetic. They like inject life into the defense. They get really animated on the sideline. That's what Muschamp was at Auburn. And he had success in the reason why he went on, you know, to have some head coaching jobs in the SEC. And so we kind of saw him getting these jobs. Um, Will Muschamp went to Florida, um, wasn't successful there. He obviously has been at South Carolina for a hot second now, just hasn't been able to get that program kind of back to even just competing you know, it just there's so many letdowns year in and year out when it comes to to games um, that you're not supposed to lose that they end up losing. So it's just it's one of those things where you scratch your head and you're just like, I don't know what this dude's deal is. Right. Um, he just might not be a head coach when it's all said and done. And we talked about this, Joshua. Some people just can't cut it, at least at that level as being a head coach. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to me though. Um, some, some guys really can't cut it. Um, other guys can cut it, just not at the power five level, if that makes sense. Like, and I'm sure. not trying to, you know, make this about like a Tom Herman, for example, but he was really good at Houston. He struggled at Texas and, you know, you've got more eyeballs on you and you've got more people to answer to in different things. So maybe it's one of those, you know, well, Muschamp never, was at a place like Houston. He was never at a mm-hmm. Cincinnati. He, yeah. he dove straight into the yeah. SEC Power Five head coaching gig and struggled. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe there's something to be said about that, where you know some of these coaches are put into positions, and I, you know, we might have talked about this on the show, the Peter Principle, where you're promoted to a point of incompetence, and then that's when yeah. you fail. And yeah. so maybe like Tom Herman's point of competence was at a, uh, you know, a group of five school being a head coach. And then his incompetence was at a power five. We don't know what point of, of competence Will Muschamp has had. Like, you, you know, hey, a great defensive coordinator. Sure. We've hired him in head coaching positions in yeah. the SEC power five. He's never been at a small school as a head coach. Like, we don't know. Like, we don't mm-hmm. know if that's where he's supposed to be. So I, I'd be something to look at. 
Yeah, I'll be interested to see where he lands. I actually think if you want to still be <laughs> a head coach right now for Mushchamp, I would say take a smaller job. Take a gig. I mean, you've made enough money. If you right. really love coaching and you really love developing the guys and that's what it's about for you, then maybe take a step back. He should. You know, maybe go to a conference that's not the SEC and see what you can do there. That's my advice from coming from a non-coach, but that's just me looking from the outside in, seeing what has happened to him in his career. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to see where he lands. The guys that are up for this gig, supposedly uh, Liberty's Hugh Freeze, where we know his connection in the SEC, uh, Louisiana's Billy Napier, Coastal Carolina's Jamie Chadwell, and then Jordan Rogers, former Vanderbilt quarterback, now on the SEC network, had an interesting take. He actually brought up James Franklin. Sure. And he said, you know, he clearly has, he's been in the SEC. Um, things are a little bit crazy, as we had mentioned right now at Penn State and fans not really being appreciative. But I don't know. I can't see really him going down to South. It's like South Carolina is in the SEC. Okay, great. But it's not one of the elite programs. Yeah. It'd be right? I, I don't think I would take that step from Penn State to South Carolina. I just, I feel like that might be career suicide personally. Yeah, um, I do too. I don't like that. So, I'd had to disagree with that one. Yeah, I do too. Hugh Freeze is interesting because uh, I think he's a slime ball. That's all I'll say. Yeah, I know. Well, we talked. <laughs> we've talked about this on numerous occasions. Yeah. But slime balls usually, um, they're they get recycled. Yeah, unfortunately, yes, they do. They unfortunately, do. And they, they get recycled. Again, not to be this guy, but like you know, slime ball Ed Orgeron, and yeah, he, he recycled himself into a damn natty. And now he's failing miserably and he's got some stank on his program. But, you know, it's, it's exactly what happens in college football. It's crazy. And these guys just keep getting jobs, though. Um, it's just that's how it is. Uh, it brought me to a point, though. I was doing research the other day for something and I came across the Stoops brothers, which, by the way, Mark Stoops, I think, is is really a great guy. And I really think he's doing good things at Kentucky. He's been through a lot with his coaching staff, with, with a player this year earlier that had a medical issue. And there's a lot that has gone on there that I don't think people really see because University of Kentucky doesn't get a lot of pub. He's developed some real good players that are in the league right now, too. So I was doing some research on the Stoops brothers. And it's so nuts because, first of all, they're from Akron. Yes. They are. Um, all of them are. They played at Iowa. I didn't know how many Big Ten connections in that area connected they were. I, I had no clue until I was like doing this research on them. And I'm like, holy smokes, where in the world is Bob Stoops? <laughs> the guy's only 60 years old. And yeah, since <laughs> well, yeah, and since leaving Oklahoma, he really hasn't done anything. He was getting involved in the XFL and then that folded. But I yes. keep thinking to myself, like, we're going to see Bob Stoops back, right? In college, right? Maybe? I don't know. I mean, you think he got like burnout out that much? I don't know if it's a burnout. It takes a long time to count that much money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's it, you know? So, you know, the, uh, like the, the Stoops and the Pelinis are, like, pretty close, too. I didn't and, know that they were. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, like, the Pelinis are... I believe they're they're Youngstown guys. 
Youngstown. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. Yes. I, yeah. Youngstown. And I think, I think Stoops are Youngstown guys too. So they yes, got they like, are. they got some history and I believe they coached together. Um, uh, Bob and Bo, I believe at least uh, coached together. So that's, that's a really interesting connection too. A lot of coaches yeah. come out of the great state of Ohio. They do. And that's why when I first saw that, I was like, oh yeah, there's so many coaches that come out of here that y'all, if, unless you're really reading these bios, which that's why I try to incorporate that, you don't know. And then you're like, whoa, there's a, a big coaching tree that comes out of Ohio. It's pretty crazy yeah. if you really Lots think about it. We, one that we'll get to in just a minute in our uh, get to know the coach segment. But before we get to that, I did want to mention, we, we had talked about Texas A&M in the top 10. And for me, I had seen so much progress really since we dogged them in our podcast earlier on this season. They started to really turn things around. And I think you're right, Kellen Mon has become more consistent. Uh, Jimbo is definitely finding success with these guys. But unfortunately, Joshua, just when I thought they were picking up steam and really starting to gain some momentum in the SEC, even getting talk uh, about being a college football playoff team, they are now not going to play their game for a second straight week. So mm-hmm. their game with Old Miss has been pushed back to December 19th. Because, again, they're dealing with these COVID-19 contact tracing issues, um, which puts a lot of guys out. So they're going to have to, unfortunately, wait another week to play. And I'm just a little bit curious to see how they come out and perform after having two weeks off. I kind of have a not a great feeling about it. Not saying they're going to take a huge step back, but yeah. it could also show how much coaching comes into play in these, in these last two weeks. Yeah, Jimbo needs to put a call into old Paul Christ over at Wisconsin and figure out how <laughs> he managed that sure. situation. I'm like, I'm half sure. joking, I'm half not because you yeah. said it like, you know, it's 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 kind of uncharted territory to to have to deal with that. And there's one coach that successfully did it. And I, I mean, if they're you know if they're friends or if they know each other at all, it's probably worth giving a, a call over and saying, "Hey, man, yeah, you know, walk me through." how you dealt with this, how'd you keep your team together, how'd you deal with the roster management, how'd you deal with the morale, how, what was practice, like all those different things, because you're right, like that could that could really derail their chances coming out and, and having a bad game because you've been off for a couple of weeks. But again, um, just for everybody who's listening here, I, I hate to be, you know, to beat a dead horse, to be a soapbox kind of guy, but um, just take a look around and see what's going on, you know, municipalities yeah. and, and local governments as well as state governments are starting to tighten things down. You've got public health officials telling us that it's getting worse and the numbers are showing mm-hmm. that it is. Um, a lot of these universities are not bringing their students back after Thanksgiving. And I, I believe a lot of uh, school districts, you know, elementary, middle, high schools are probably going to do the same thing because mm-hmm. it's getting worse. So everybody put your daggone mask on, especially yeah. if you're a football fan and you give a damn about football, but also if you're like a real human being and you care about other people and their health and safety, put your damn mask on. Yeah, put your mask on, wash your hands, don't get in massive group gatherings. I understand some people you know, need to be around their families around the holidays. Just make sure it's safe. Make sure it's not a big group of people. I think that's the way that we're going to help um, you know, this thing not spread at a time that it is really picking up. And, and I don't want to see any of that happen again. It, it's we've, we've dealt with so much of that our economy has, but at the same time, you know, we've got to keep people safe and people don't need to die from this if, if exactly. it can be prevented. 
Okay, well, 2020 has already reshaped how we work. A lot of us are working from home, but we are hoping it is almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so that you can focus on hiring that right person for the job. Unlike other sites, uh, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time. And the best thing, there are no long-term contracts. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Blue Wire is the best offer available anywhere, guys. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. And this offer, valid through December 31st, terms and conditions apply. Getting into our final segment, get to know the coach. And I was really excited. I messaged Joshua on Twitter and I said, I might have you take the reins in this one because you know this guy personally. You always talk so highly of him. I got a chance to cover him um, while I was at Ohio State uh, as a as an assistant coach there, a linebackers coach. So it's going to be cool to talk about Luke Fickle, who has done a amazing job at Cincinnati, a team that is uh, possibly going to get into that college football playoff. Real quick before I, I turn it over to you, I, I was talking about the Ohio connections and how many coaches come out of there. He was born in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so if you guys were wondering, yes, he is from the great state of Ohio. He played, of course, at Ohio State. and. I found this interesting, and I didn't even think about this, but he isn't that old. So I was like, okay, I guess it kind of makes sense. So he was a grad assistant right out of college at ASU. Mm -hmm. He went, spent one year at Akron, and then pretty much just was at Ohio State in many different roles, including that interim head coach role that he had before he went to Cincinnati and took a head coaching job. This is one of the more unique resumes I've seen in terms of not hopping all over the country, yep. but staying in a spot, being able to stay in, stay in a spot where he could really try on every type of situation to get him prepared to be a head coach. He still went through the grind people, but it was just in a different way, not having to move around so much. I mean, he's spent his whole career in Ohio. It's very unique. Yes. Luke, uh, He's a different cat. He, uh, I've got a lot of respect for him. So yeah, Columbus guy, uh, DeSales High School actually. Yeah, DeSales. So, Isn't that where Dom went? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think that's where Dom Tiberi went. Yeah, DeSales people let you know that they went to DeSales. Yes, they yeah. do. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in his time at Ohio State, he was a great defensive lineman. I think at one point he held the record for starts, uh, career starts at Ohio State. He never Dang. got hurt. Like that was Holy his claim to smokes. fame. And the one time he did, he like tore his peck and still played. What? Real tough guy. He, I think he was a, a three time, maybe four time uh, state champ in wrestling too. Like he was a great wrestler, just a really tough, gritty guy. And that's the mentality he took played for the new Orleans saints for a hot second. I think blew out his knee and that ended his NFL career. So he came and became a GA at OSU and then spent some time at Akron, like you said. And then I think it was like 15 years, maybe. Um, maybe a little bit longer that he was at the Ohio State University as a coach. And you're right. Wow. There was a lot of roles started off just as a position coach. And then he got co-coordinator roles and then really took over the play calling and became the guy there. 
um, for a, a minute, he was like the lead recruiter too. Like he was the ace yeah. guy. And one thing Luke has always done well is he's found the under the radar guys. He's found the guys that are the diamond in the rough. He's built the relationship. He he's Such a been great able to, to, have. to see. Yeah. The guys who maybe aren't the, the four and five star guys. Yep. Um, and then he, you know, waited for the right opportunity. I think that's big. And I want to be clear. Luke Fickle turned down a bunch of opportunities. I remember sure. when I was a player every year, we, we knew that he was going to be back, but we would always still kind of be like, Hey, coach, you ain't going nowhere. Are you? Like, <laughs> Cause we knew he was going to yeah. be hot. Yeah. He's a great coach. People respect him, the knowledge, the just, and he's a real person too. A lot sure. of these coaches are like damn movie characters. Like you don't know yeah. if they're real or not. Right. He, he, I mean, you've been around enough to know that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> But um, he's a real deal. And then he took the right opportunity. And that's what he was looking for. He didn't want to have to move his family around, which I'll get into, you know, a bunch of different places and and uproot his children and have them Mm -hmm. in different schools and everything. Because, you know, he was in a city that he was familiar with and his kids were very familiar and he had family in the city and everything. Um, But Cincinnati came and it was the right opportunity. And he put together a great staff of people he knew. You know, he was able to poach a couple of guys that were GAs at Ohio State. He was able to take an assistant strength coach who's actually an Olentangy High School grad where I went to high school down there to become his head strength coach who does a great job. And um, Greg Gillum, who was uh, big in recruiting back when I was getting recruited and then moved over into a different role when Mark Pantone came around, he got him down there. Joker Phillips, who was at Ohio State for a year as uh, quality control, he got him down there for some time. Um, just did a really good job with throwing the staff together. And you see those guys balling out. Marcus Freeman, former player of his, who uh, was the defensive coordinator at Purdue under Daryl Hazel, who was a coach at Ohio State. He got Marcus Freeman down there calling the hell out that defense, doing a great job. Just really liked the way that was thrown together. But he's a family man. And that's the last yeah. line you have on here. And that's a real deal. And he <laughs> always made the players feel like we were a part of his big old crazy family. But um, got a wonderful wife named Amy. And uh, they have six children, Dang! a son, a daughter, a set of twin boys, and another set of twin boys. Okay. Okay. How does that, <laughs> I'm sorry. How is that even possible? Uh, Two sets of twin boys? Are you kidding me? Amy is her name, right? Mm-hmm. God bless her. Well, I'll tell you what. She she is a, um, she's not like a short woman, but she is a very thin woman. Yeah. Um, like, and this is like, not to be offensive, but like, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't look like she has carried six children, if that makes it, sense. It's crazy. Yeah. Cause yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, first of all, six kids, is a lot of kids. Yes. It but is. when you carry twins, even yeah. once, yeah. that's, that's one thing. No, you carry I mean, twins another time, right? Absolutely. That's yeah. insane. That, I yeah. mean, credit to her. Cause that yeah. is, um. That's it. It's one of the most remarkable things I've seen. Like two, I've I've heard of like quad quadtuplets and all that stuff. But yeah, I no, mean two sets. That's amazing. So have did they did they bring the kids around a lot? Like oh, to all the, the program. Okay. So he had a house in Dublin when he was living here. It was this mm-hmm. huge house. There was like a basketball court in the basement. Oh, cool. And so we would go over to the house and we would be like throwing the kids in the pool and like dunking on them in the basketball court <laughs> like those kids I mean you know like they were they're coaches kids so they were used to being around players but like sure you know like even even his daughter Luca like we used to rough her up too 
and be throwing her in the swimming pool and dunking on her in the basketball court. Like, you know, it was just a ton of fun. Um, his oldest son, though, Landon, is committed to play football at Cincinnati. Yep. So he'll be playing for his dad, which is going to be really cool. So long as his dad stays around there, we'll see if that happens. But Exactly. Yeah, I mean, just a, a heck of a family. Like I said, he always made us feel like we were all a part of it, too. Uh, but there's there's a Luke Fickle. That's that's the Luke Fickle story. I love it. Yeah, I think that's definitely a coach that people are wondering about. So if you didn't know anything about Luke Fickle, now you do. And so maybe uh, you pay a little closer attention to Cincinnati this year as they try to become one of the uh, programs that makes the college football playoff. So that should be interesting. That was a fun episode. A lot of good information in this one. As always, I hope you guys uh, enjoy listening. You're learning something new each time. And you could always go and follow us on our social media pages because we're both very active on those. So Joshua, give them your Twitter and Instagram handles. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at RIP underscore JEP. Twitter uh, has pissed me off introducing their fleets or whatever the hell, the little Twitter stories. Don't get it. (sighs) Stories were fine on on Instagram. They they spilled over to Facebook, and I had to read all these old people's stories because old people don't know how to put pictures on their damn stories Ooh. bad enough. And now I got to get stories with tweets. No, pissed. and Instagram redesigned their interface too. And so you know the uh, the like the add photo button used to be like central, like down in the middle um, on the bottom of the the app, and now yes. it's the damn Reels page. And reels are the worst thing ever. It's like putting TikTok on Instagram. I won't watch those. I, I don't have TikTok because I don't want TikTok and I don't I, want it on my Instagram. I sound I like can't. an old man right now. But now I got to go to the top of my damn Instagram to tap to add a photo when that should be the central thing exactly. because Instagram is a photo application. Let's get, come, come on, you guys. When you're redoing or you're, you're, you know, trying to better your product. Why are we doing things that are making people more frustrated? Because the yes. amount of the amount of feedback that I've received today on Twitter with people that are so PO'd off is like enormous. And then the biggest question was, you're going to make changes to Twitter. And the one change that you don't make is you edit don't put an edit button. Edit tweet. What What is going on, people? Gosh. I mean, come on, Twitter. Let's get with it. You already made me mad that when I got hacked, there was no customer service. You're real starting to make me mad now. Yeah, Twitter's effing up. Right? Get with the program. All right. Well, hope you guys enjoyed our program. You can follow me at Kayla Anderson TV on Instagram and Twitter as well. We hope you guys enjoyed this edition of Press Pass. Hopefully your team gets to play this weekend. Uh, good luck to Joshua Perry's Buckeyes. Good luck to Mike Coogs that had a close one with Oregon. Let it slip away a little bit. Yeah, we should have talked about that, not to get too far into it because it's the end of the show, but um, man. They got a bright future. I'm going to tell you that right now. Yeah. This is yep. the head coach's first year, and he's got things going in the right direction. I will just, I will say that. Um, because Oregon's a good team. Oregon didn't look great in the first half, but Oregon has talent on that team. Sure um, and Washington State made them look not great in the first half. So. Here we go. Hopefully we'll we'll have a we'll talk a little Washington State next week. How about that? Love it. Okay. All right, y'all. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. <laughs>